Bench Racing Radio. Bench Racing Radio. The podcast with your hosts, Eric Gio and Anthony Leake. All right. How's it going today, Anthony? Going pretty good. Every day's a good day as long as you wake up in the morning. It's a, especially a good day when they're racing on dirt with big old dirty stock cars, hey? <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with tanks going in circles. Yeah, how'd, uh, how'd you enjoy the whole NASCAR at Bristol thing? So I was going to, I posted on Facebook my overall score, which plenty of people looked at and only a few people commented. I, I wouldn't say I have the most interactive personal Facebook profile. I, I'm not full of as much controversy as some some people uh, mm-hmm. on Facebook uh, and social media in general. Um, you know, I, I kind of wanted to save it for this part of this podcast. And I would say I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much, way more than I expected. It, was it perfect? No. Is dirt truck racing ever perfect? No. But I would say for their first time doing it at Bristol, I gave it a solid eight and a half out of 10. There was a point in the cup race where it got way super dusty and was actually, I was really nervous at the time. It was about halfway through. I was really nervous at the time that this was going to turn into a caution filled dust fest. Uh, And they were able to kind of bring it back together and it got enjoyable again. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the truck race. I enjoyed the cup race overall and it was competitive and it was also violently wrecked <laughs> on a couple <laughs> of occasions both the trucks and the cups had some really good wrecks <laughs> so it had yeah. a little bit of everything for everyone and you know I, I remember that you and i mentioned a few weeks ago i can't remember if it was via recording or if it was when we were off recording but we talked about how there's so many fans of NASCAR who've never seen a dirt race in their life who have kind of a kind of had a look down view upon dirt track racing and why is NASCAR doing that. I read plenty of comments like that. However, I did see lots of comments after people who've never seen a dirt track race in their life who actually enjoyed it as well. So I think that bodes well for how the the program went and how it went for kind of connecting both the grassroots and, and, and that upper level asphalt tier that NASCAR has. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and even one of the detractors of it before the event was the King himself, Richard Petty. I don't know what that was all about, Mm. but he wasn't, he was talking down about it, which I don't know, but, uh, no, I mean the, the racing itself, you know, I think it's okay. I don't think that, uh, here, here's where I like where they're set up at, right? So they had a lot of people tune in, a lot of people watched it. They were talking about it this morning on, uh, you know, the morning news shows, you know, NASCAR on dirt, like this is different. So that was really neat. Um, a lot of people tune in and watch that thing. It was pretty cool. And they might think, oh, I should go check out like a late model race mm-hmm. or something. Then they're going to have their minds blown because those cars out there look like street stocks. <laughs> like... <laughs> Now yeah. go watch go watch a super late model or the you know the, the World of Outlaws show coming up next weekend at that same track. Your mind's gonna be blown. Yeah. So that's great because they've set yeah. the bar at a great place for for new fans to come in and see how crazy the top level of dirt racing really is. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, that's that's just a great entry point for those people to get into it. 
Oh, I think it's it's beneficial on both sides uh, of of the spectrum when it comes to to stock car racing. You know, I, I did you know going back on your mentioning about about Richard Petty. I mean, I, I kind of I can see where he's coming from because he was there when NASCAR was grassroots, and I know that from his perspective, they've come such a long way in the sport to gain national recognition, where it was just primarily a, you know a Southern U.S. thing from you know, the 1940s up until I would probably say the mid mid eighties, even, you know, the modern era of after 1979, I would say would be maybe when it finally with live national coverage of the Daytona mm-hmm. 579 in that big fight, that's when it started opening up their, the more broader appeal. And it wasn't until, as we've mentioned in our first episode of bench racing radio, talking about the midnight early to 1990s onwards, when it really started to gain that national appear, appeal and started becoming like one of the number one, one sports to watch in the United States into the late 1990s. So I can see where Richard's coming from. Like he doesn't want to go back there because, you know, when you see all the progress, I'll put that in quotations because everyone's interpretation of NASCAR and progress are are different. But when the overall scheme of things, the progressive uh, evolution of NASCAR, I can see someone who's been in the sport for whatever, 70 years would be like, Hey, we got out of that place for a reason. But I think he's wrong in the concept that that dirt track racing is some sort of low level form. And I don't, I don't agree with him on that level. So I can see where he's coming from and I can agree in terms of his, his life as a, as a NASCAR person and understand that perspective. But at the same time, I don't, I don't think that uh, uh, talking down towards it is necessarily a great approach either. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, when you're the king, I guess you don't have to. When you're the king, it doesn't matter. A significant matter. amount of shits. <laughs> <laughs> but here's shame. the thing, too. too. Here's here's the uh, the counterpoint to that of, or you know, anybody who says that this isn't, you know, oh, it's weird. Why are they throwing a curveball? Why don't they go and do a figure eight race and whatever? Mm. Well, guess what, guys? The regular season already means nothing in that series anymore. Nothing. You win one race, you're into the playoffs. So. <laughs> It doesn't matter. It's it's like the, I, I love it. I think it's great. It's a good curveball. It uh, and you know what was really interesting? They've got all these guys with a bunch of dirt experience. Mike Marlar went out and got himself a car to run it, and two guys running at the top at the very end. Guys with almost no dirt experience at all, <laughs> but mm. they took the curveballs thrown at them, and uh, and they put on a pretty good show there for the lead at the end. So yeah, overall, I think it was pretty great. And I got to make a shout out here too before I forget. Our boy Cody Erickson, you know, friend of the podcast, uh, yeah. he uh, he did a good run in the uh, had a good run in the truck race there. finished uh, finished on the lead lap. Uh, I think it was twenty six is what he came home, mm. and uh, you know, pretty solid. I mean, that's where that equipment usually runs uh, week in week out, and he barely gets to run that stuff. So uh, he uh, right. he did good, kept his nose clean, and and had an all right day. Yeah, no, it was, it's great to hear, and um, yeah, it was it was good stuff. I. I enjoyed it overall, and I, I just wanted to go back to one last piece of that before we, we finish up our intro here. But I watched some of the dirt track racing that happened in 1970 and 66 and 68 at a few different tracks that are on YouTube. You can actually watch some of the NASCAR dirt track. And when you look at the groove, the dust, it going, you know, lockdown, dry slick, the bumping, the rubbing. You watch yesterday's races and then watch that stuff from the si- late 60s. It's the exact same racing. Yeah. Like nothing's changed there. Uh, I don't know where 
Uh, I know some people were were expecting. I don't know if some people were expecting something different in that way. I know I had read a couple of comments on Facebook saying that uh, they got bored of it pretty quick. Like this isn't dirt track racing. It's just like, well, actually, if you look at the old stuff, yeah, that's NASCAR dirt track racing to a T. Well, it's 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 really <laughs> even with all this technology and everything, it's, it's still very similar. It's still, I mean, when you look at the technology we've got into, you know, modifieds and late models and sprint cars, mm-hmm. it's really still like a street stock. It's just, you know, they're obviously a little bit more advanced. They've got the racing chassis, but just the weight of them and the sheer size of them, you know, yeah. it's going to end up racing a little bit more like a street or, or something like that. Yeah. And, and But really, I mean, it was it was better than it was a good show. It was solid. Uh, one thing I think that they should really look at, you know, for this being a cool special event that they're doing. And, and, and one thing, too, that I really like that they did already was they announced before the race was even done, they're mm-hmm. coming back next year. They're not because they had some trouble getting the show in with the rain and the troubles with the mud. I don't know if you saw the truck heats on Saturday when they tried to run that. Uh, I did. But, yeah. I did. Oh, my God. If you were behind third place after two corners, you could not see out of your windshield. It was no, just no, like was death trap. It was ridiculous. Well, well, it was well, like kind of like breathing on the uh, engine. Yeah, and it was kind of like what you, what did you think was going to happen? Like it's tacky, and you have windshields. Like come on. Yeah. So and, and I think so that if they want to do this, and they don't want it to be such a huge dust bowl, then I think they need to take the step yeah. of figuring out how they can easily take the windshield out. You know, put some extra reinforcing in because I understand that the wheel, the windshield is actually a structural component in these cars. Right. And uh, and just, you know, temporarily, like easily removable, do a bit of decking over the cockpit and tell the boys to put tear offs on and let's go racing. Like, uh, yeah. I think that if you did that, then you could actually have a little bit heavier of a track. You wouldn't have to run it like a dust bowl. Mm-hmm. and it, yeah i mean ripping tear-offs and and racing like that there's nothing like it like it's the best uh so i i think that uh that i think would give them the most flexibility going forward to keep the show on time and gives them the most options in track prep to to make it as racy as possible and not make it uh you know a dust bowl and you know i think that there's a little there's some really good points there in the fact that you know, they ran windshields all those years ago, and, and that was one of the comments that was made by the analyst. Well, this is how they did it on the dirt all those years ago. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way now. Like, if you really want to provide the utmost aspects of dirt track racing, I mean, there's enough cars out there that it's going to slick off regardless. And and having it a little bit heavier early on is going to last for probably a good 50 to 75 laps when you have it wetter and not have the windshields there. And then you can actually, because if this was a late model race, on when they tried running it on the Sunday, I think Kenny Wallace had posted a video saying that there's a couple of late models out there running it in. They probably would have put on a 24 car late model race and run the whole race. But yeah. because of the situ- the way the trucks were built with, you know, how much air they have to take in through the grill and, and, and the windshields and all that, it just wasn't going to happen. But a late model show would have happened that, <laughs> that night on Sunday for sure. So are they going to be looking at and saying, Hey, you know what, maybe we need to do a little bit more so that we can provide all options available for track prep and for and for raceability from you know maybe a heavy track that still stays smooth to to it drying out eventually over time so you're not burning off tires and they're not worrying about getting too much or not enough air through the grill or so these guys can see maybe they do need to take some drastic steps and really make it into something and not kind of I wouldn't say half ass it because I don't think they half assed it but at the same time what's the next level to really 
draw it in in a way that's going to make it work perfectly or, or close well, yeah. to perfect. And it's it's already a one-off. I don't think there's any reason they need to stay at 250 laps. Uh, you know, there's a reason why the longest races in Endure Late Models are 100 laps. And there's nothing longer than that, mm-hmm. really. Uh, it's so that the right. track doesn't completely lock down because it always does by the end anyway. But yeah. why are you going to run an extra 150 laps after that? Right? That's right. So... I think that that's maybe something they should look at too. have a little bit more of a heat race format. And if you want the guys to run longer, then give them longer heat race. I don't know. Figure that out. Do a, an yeah. LCQ, do a trophy dash, you know, or do something like that for seating the field and then let them run a hundred laps. And then they don't have to worry about running the tires right off the thing. I don't know. There, there's, there's a lot of ideas to toss around there, but no, I know that was part of the plan, but then they were still going to raise a 250 lap feature, which right. is like, I mean, yeah. that's that's not a dirt thing, you guys. This is already dirt. This is very different. No reason to keep that kind of crazy distance to it. It's a dirt race. Approach it like a dirt race. Yeah. I don't know. That's but I think sense, that, but, yeah, yeah. But no, but other that. other than though, I'm I'm glad that they're doing it. They had a lot of fans. Fans enjoyed it. Uh, it's it's pretty great to see. And uh, yeah, they're coming back next year. So it's uh, it's good to get that mm-hmm. kind of commitment out of them. Yeah. Well, I know we could talk about this until the cows come home, most literally, but uh, we got a freaking interview to do here. Sure do. Yeah, it uh, yeah, it should be good. It was a fun one. Good to, good to sit down with Brandon. I didn't uh, know him too, too well, and uh, it's good to, to dig in there and uh, see what makes him tick. Yeah, enjoy. I know. Our next guest on Bench Racing Radio is, I just learned this, a 12 12- year veteran of the sport up here in winnipeg local midwest mod driver brandon rehill welcome to the podcast brandon how's it going good you oh not doing too bad buddy it's uh it's getting warmer all the time and racing's on tv and we got got things to do so it's uh it's good so how you been keeping pretty good working two jobs so i've been keeping busy have you uh started wrenching on the cars yet or no yeah yeah we have big time Two jobs. I mean, you got lots of time. Shouldn't be a problem. Oh yeah, yeah, and a <laughs> and a little guy. Yeah, exactly. He's keeping you on your toes. I'm sure. He is now that he's running. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's the thing I've heard. You have a kid, and the first little bit, it's like, oh, this isn't that bad. It's like this little puppy that you got to feed, and you know, it's cool, and and you know, it doesn't really get real until they start walking around, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. he missed the walking part. He just started running. <laughs> there you go he broke the one rule you have to learn how to walk before you run yeah exactly <laughs> yeah pass that one yeah good job kid <laughs> yeah you'll see him yeah oh yeah right on so yeah brandon i uh i was surprised to hear that you've been around the sport for 12 years already but i guess i'm just old uh tell us how you got started uh well i just started going to the racetrack when i was younger with my auntie when i got a bit older like 15 i just wanted to get into it and then so i sold my dirt bikes and we bought a four-cylinder and then we did that for a few years and then i wanted to go faster so we ended up getting into a mini sprint and then oh you were in a mini sprint yeah for one year and then they canned them from the racetrack yeah so we jumped into a midwest mod and we've been uh, wrecking cars since then (laughs) (laughs) oh that's great so the four-cylinder yeah. class, you know, I started out in that class as well. Uh, I think it's a great place to get started. What, what were your, what was your impression on it? Uh, you know, running in that class for a couple of years. It was fun. It was just every year the car started dying down, and 
there wasn't as many cars but at first when we had like 25 of them it was it was like playing bumper cars it was fun yeah definitely uh it teaches you the basics of how to race you know when you don't have to be so worried about driving a car that's high powered and and hard to handle they're they're fairly easy to handle so it's a really good spot to learn you know the ins and outs i found yeah exactly and cheap to fix (laughs) yeah exactly we yeah oh man I uh I should tell the story of our uh we had our best sponsor of our four cylinder program was uh, Napa but they weren't on the car they didn't know it. Uh what we did we go and buy struts we go buy a nice uh, KYB uh gas strut for a Ford Escort GT put it in the car run it for like five or six races on the right front and it would die. So you bring it back with the receipt. <laughs> And tell the guy, yeah, I put these things in my daily driver and the, the thing's already gone. And, well, they'd give you a new one on warranty. And <laughs> that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, buy one set for, and then you can get, uh, you know, replacements for the season for free. It was, uh, it was a good program they had going there. Yeah, I think I think we did that with axles, actually. We'd break them every <laughs> time, all the time when we would just go and return them and get new ones. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're you know auto parts stores. They're they're supporting the racing economy. It's important. Yeah, as long as they don't know what we're doing with it. Exactly. Don't mention the word race car. Yeah. <laughs> so then, yeah, jumping into to lightning sprints. So you ran, you did get to run the one year with it. Yeah, we did. Uh, actually, it might have been. Yeah, it was one year, and uh, we were getting better at it. And then the last race, we actually blew the motor. So then we were looking for motors over the winter time, and then they ended up canning them. So I uh, got rid of it as fast as I could. That's when we jumped into a. I actually got a B mod for Christmas. That's how I got into a B mod. <laughs> That's not that bad. Was my one, yeah, that was my one free ride. After that, it was I was on my own. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's been good. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been fun to watch uh, over the years that progression that you've been making there. So no, oh, yeah, it's getting. It's getting a lot better now. Definitely. So that first that uh, that learning curve going from you know into the the lightning sprint and then the sprint into the the B mod that must have been something to get your head wrapped around, eh? Yeah, it was. It went from slow to really fast, back down to pretty slow again. But they are like B mods are getting really quick now. Yeah, definitely. They're those things are figured out. They're handling pretty good these days. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you can make small adjustments, and it's like driving a Cadillac after. Yeah, your first car, what was uh, what was that thing like, and you know how how much have you upgraded since then? Uh, that was a J car. I think it was like an 08. We drove it for a bit and couldn't figure it out, and then we actually got David Delane to come over and help us, and we took it all apart, and we ended up having like an entire A-mod set up in it. So uh, <laughs> the springs were way out, and so we switched all that up, and then I ended up wrecking that thing. Then I moved into a Fagger's car from Paul Veer, and that got 10 times better from there. Yeah, you know Paul's got good equipment, so that, that helps. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a really nice car. What, what happened to that car? Uh, <laughs> that one got wrecked too. Me and your brother had a little fight with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Who won the fight, though? That's what's important. Uh, well, I came back the next week with my car, and his uh, Anthony's brother did not. No, I don't. So, think, I think it was six weeks. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we put so them you won. Part of well. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it was a that was a bad one. 
Yeah, and you know, uh, for those of you that don't know what we're referencing, is from a, a July race in 2016, where uh, it was, I think, almost three or four wide on the backstretch, and Christopher Leak, my brother, uh, ended up being the odd man out and went up, slid up to the top of the track, and, and Brandon went flying. You can see it on YouTube. Um <laughs> If anyone wants to take a look, um, and it was, it was a hard hit. It most certainly was a hard hit on the, uh, passenger, luckily the passenger side door of my brother, because I think that would have been a very different situation if it was the driver's side. So I'm glad everybody, everybody ended up being safe, uh, and well from that situation. Cause it was very scary at the time. So it's, it's great that both of you ended up being fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised how hard a hit it was that we both were fine walking after, but. That was a scary one. Did it like you just went to avoid and then went high and then all of a sudden he was in front of you or like what happened? There? Yeah. Yeah. I just went above everybody and then last second kind of thing. I seen him and then I just held my foot on the brake pedal and the car went straight <laughs> right into him. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's tough. Yeah. It was, so, it was rough. So then what was the, uh, what was the next car after that one? That would be. I had that one for a couple more years, and then we got into a 2012 Shaw car. And that car was good. We were getting it figured out more and more and more. And then I think I actually won my second race, or my first race in that car the second time I drove it. So then we figured it out even better, me and Jeff Rempel, and went out, and it was getting even more better. And then I ended up wrecking it two years ago in uh Sites Memorial race. That car is actually getting rebuilt right now, so it'll be back out. Oh, nice. Nice. Still in your hands or for somebody else? No, I have it still. We just uh, chopped it in a bunch of different pieces and kind of put our own stuff in it. And we're going to try it out and see if it'll work or not. Can't be worse than it was, right? That's right. <laughs> Can't be any worse than it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so your uh, your first uh, win in the Midwest Mods, tell us about that. I think it was Morden, actually, that I won my first race in. Yeah, it might have been Morden. I can't remember if it was Morden or Winnipeg. I think it was, I know it was Winnipeg. It was a cool feeling since I never won a race before that. Oh, you so, never got to victory lane with the, the four cylinders or the lightning sprint? Uh, no, not before that. No, <laughs> I've only won <laughs> after, ever after I had that 2012. Wow. Nice. Yeah. yeah, that must be a special one. What, uh, yeah, tell no. us about the race. Like, who, who are you racing for the win there? How'd that go? Oh, uh, well, I was uh, by myself out front. Good old Austin Hunter came around on like the second last lap, I think, and kept showing me his nose cone. <laughs> <laughs> so then I just got a little excited and just pretty much held it to the firewall and hoped for the best <laughs> that he wouldn't pass me, and he never did. So that's how that went. Nice. Yeah, no, it was a good time. Good, yeah. I mean, holding off a guy like Austin, that's uh, that's pretty good. He's usually pretty quick. Yeah, and since then he's got me on a few of them, though. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So what's the... Uh... So that you're fixing up that other one, um, yeah. But what uh, what were you running last year and the year before? Last year was my first year in my new car. It's a 2018 Shaw oh, that okay. I picked up from Dave Kane. That's a pretty fancy car, but I figured that if we had this one sitting here with all the old parts, we would try to put it back together, and that's what we did. So now my new car is still sitting in the garage. I haven't even touched it since last year, except for I took the <laughs> motor out. We'll try one car first, and if that doesn't work, then we're gonna bring out the new car again. What are your expectations for this year? I mean, COVID is a whole 
another thing. But if you're looking at a normal season, I mean, as I'm sure you've heard all the news about uh, the Speedway in Winnipeg in new ownership and the amount of racing that they would like to do, plus events in Kenora, wherever else you might go, depending on borders, this or that. But what are your expectations this year? Are you just hoping to go out to win more races? Is it consistency? Is it a points championship? Maybe states, state points? What What might it be? We're just hoping to get as many races as we can in and travel from here to Kenora and then to Estevan if we can run there full-time. And then uh, Winnipeg full-time too if they want to run that many shows. I'm always down for more shows, so that's my plan. And then for winning-wise, uh, I like just getting top three almost. Usually every week would be nice. And how much would you say we're actually on, on, on the live stream version of this watching some racing from 2018 that you were in? What would you say has been the biggest improvement in your driving since starting in the Midwest Modifieds? Figuring out the gas and the brake at the same time instead of trying to just hammer it around everywhere and it doesn't work like that on dry slick. So you got to be a lot more smoother on dry slick to make it work. And that's what we've been practicing lots. Hopefully we can figure it out. What would you say has been one of your biggest challenges out on the racetrack on a week to week basis? Probably shocks. We got different set of shocks last year and a couple of used ones and we've been trying them out and we can't figure out which ones or which shocks and usually we end up putting the wrong shocks on when it gets dry and we learned one time that we put the shocks on and the car turned left like real fast <laughs> and that was not that's not what we wanted at all you want a corner quickly but not that quickly yeah exactly i was uh i was facing those tractor tires and i don't like those things <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's not a good feeling. Can, yeah, can confirm. <laughs> yeah, I'm never done. Every time I'm down near those tractor tires, I hit one. That's why I stay at the top. <laughs> Unless there isn't a top like Kenora most of the time. No, then I hit every tractor tire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's hey, you know, you've had lots of practice there to be able to get used to it at least, right? <laughs> no, yeah, no, I love going there. Go ahead, you don't Dan. know, uh, you don't know bad tractor tire times until you've hit one and then flipped. And I can tell you, not fun. So uh, don't do it. <laughs> I've seen a few people do that, and that doesn't look fun at all. Well, Brandon, let's move into the misfire round. I'm sure you've listened to previous podcasts. So are you ready for the misfire round? Remember, the options are one or the other. It's not neither, neither, nor or both. Okay. 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 All right. Here we go. Number one, fish or steak? Steak. Number two, night in the trailer or night in the park? Uh, night in the trailer. Number three, dry or tacky? I'll go with dry because everyone else is going tacky. Yeah, which has shocked all of us. <laughs> um, number four, skydive or hot air balloon? Uh, skydive. Number five, NASCAR or IndyCar? NASCAR. Number six, Disney's Frozen or Disney's Frozen 2? Uh, Disney's Frozen 2. Okay, number seven, Domino's or Pizza Hut? Pizza Hut. Number eight, partly sunny or partly cloudy? Partly cloudy. Number nine, sprints or late models? I'll go with sprint cars because everyone hates them. And number 10, 100-meter <laughs> sprint or a 500-meter run? I'll go with the 500-meter run. Nice. There we go. That's the misfire round. Sweet. No, let me clarify my uh, my position on sprint cars. <laughs> I don't... Why? You didn't answer it. <laughs> no, no, but uh, he says everybody hates them, and I have referred to them as push and flips in the past <laughs> push and flips. Um, i call them oversized go-karts does that count as something yeah i mean buggies uh, you know whatever you want to call them um i mean I, I i think they're the coolest thing they're so fast it's insane and if anybody would ever let me even think about driving one for them 
uh, I wouldn't be able to say yes fast enough. However, ah, there is the show just does not flow as well with the pushing of the cars all the time. It's just it kills it. You know, if there was some way they could figure that out. But I get the other side of it where it's like, no, they're pure racing cars. You don't need to like it would not be pretty to try and wedge something in there to let them, you know, start themselves and drive. It would uh, it would be quite the contraption to try and wedge in there, and I just don't. I don't know. I, I, I'm on one one hand. I'm on the Derek Weiss side of they can put a man on the moon, but they can't put a, a freaking starter in a sprint car. <laughs> but then on the other oh. hand, I'm also like, this is you know they're don't don't screw with it. This thing's pure. It's just crankshaft rear end. Let's go. You know. Yeah, and on the subject of it, they're an intimidating car to see in person to start with. Like the first time I've had friends, like when Winnipeg had their NOSA shows in the, in the late 2000s, I had friends come over and, and we would we would check it out. And of course, I hadn't seen, I think maybe 07 or 08 was the first time I'd seen a sprint car close up in, since I was a kid, you know, 16 years earlier. And they are an intimidating car when you walk up to them in person. Like, first of all, like like you said, Eric, they're they're unique in their own way. They're they're pure in that way, with the the wings and the gigantic tires and everything else. Like, they are something cool to look at. But I have found, even whether watching it in person or um, uh, on TV, that even with the excitement of all the speed. You know, more often than not, it, there's not a lot of positional tussling that happens unless it's, you know, right at the last minute or might be one or two guys that are that are going up through the field. And I don't know, is that the reality of the fact that they're just that so fast and they're, you know, four wide open wheels and they're light and, and that? Or is it just like, I don't, I don't understand why that's the case. Is it the amount of downforce that they have that causes them all to be that way? Like, I don't I, I'm I'm asking this almost as a as a layman. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, I don't know. They're <laughs> they're quite something to look at in person. They don't look that big on TV, but no, that's true. Up, once you get up beside one, it's it's pretty wild. Yeah, they're it like is, I, I, It's you know, it's similar to Formula One. I actually got in a uh, a debate on Facebook today with uh, with some people getting excited about the Formula One season <laughs> starting, and he said. Yeah, yeah. I can't I wait that. to watch this crappy racing start this yeah. year. <laughs> and, you know, I, I say that lovingly. Like, I've watched just about every F1 race I could for the last you know, 10, 12 years. But the fact of the matter is the racing isn't very good. It's just not. It's rarely close. They can't follow each other. They get within two seconds of each other, and the arrow kills it. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, uh, it, the racing isn't that good. Like, let's just be honest with each other. It's, it's similar to, but when the racing is good, it's it's amazing really because you good. know how hard it is for it to be that close. Yeah, I think it's kind of similar with the sprints, where yeah, usually, you know, they they don't have doors, they don't have fenders, they can't be rubbing going three four wide all the time. But when you do see a good dogfight between two or even three really good cars swapping the lead back and forth with sprint cars, that's incredible to watch. It is. You know? It is. Yeah. And you know that's it's, it's and it's not to it's not to 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 crap on on them in any way because every class has advantages and disadvantages. Um, I just find the uniqueness of of sprint cars leads to certain different dynamics than you would normally see in most other classes that exist on dirt. I guess maybe that's the point that I'm that I'm getting at is that they're so unique in their appearance, they're so unique in their technical 
uh, aspect. And then they're very unique in how they race. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, which makes them, it does make it special when you do see it. You know, I went to Grand Forks for the first time in my life uh, in 2019 because we couldn't go this past year. And, and the sprint cars on that quarter mile, that's something else. Oh, yeah. That, that's, that, that place is wild. I was there the night that they set the track record, uh, I think in 09. Um, like the sub nine or sub 10 second laps, right? They were going like 9.9 seconds around there. Yeah, like that's, just that's insane. Crazy. And Brandon, you know, like flying around that place in a Midwest mod feels fast. It feels yeah. like you're you're driving around in a high school gym. Yeah, I don't know how uh, those guys don't get dizzy. Oh yeah, because like they're going twice as fast. It's insane how quick those dudes are. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's something that place. It's it's a great and, track for those things. And what's it like for you, Brandon? Like I didn't realize that you run at Grand Forks. What is it like in the car at that track? It's completely different than running anywhere else I've ran before. You got to keep your eyes open all the time. You can't, you can't even blink half the time. It's so fast, and guys are moving all over yep. the place. And by the time you get the car out of the corner and like settle down from the corner, you're you're pretty much in the next one right away. Yeah, you're turning pretty much already. And that wall, that front straightaway yeah. wall, comes out of nowhere. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> been there, been there a few times. Yeah. So do you run the high side or the low side there? Uh, the high side too, and more of the middle, not right on the top edge because I don't feel like going for a ride. It's a bit of a cliff on the other side. I saw that street oh, stock yeah. from year nine years ago. How many? I don't yeah. know how many times it tumbled, but uh, it's amazing that person got out of there. I don't think yeah. there was a piece of sheet metal left on it. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen a few guys go off of there, and it's not too pretty. Yeah. Well, so with that said, what is your what's your favorite track you've ever raced on? I gotta say Watertown. I went to Watertown one year with uh, Jesse Tunis and Justin Bronk, and that place yeah. was insane. That was even smaller. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like a third mile, isn't it? Or like, like a, yeah, no, like a, even smaller than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was tiny. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I actually had a car flip right over top of me on a green flag into turn one, and it wrecked half the field. <laughs> Just because the corners are so narrow, those guys are driving in so hard. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it was wild. I've heard that uh, they're a different breed down there. Like they'll just wreck their grandma for a heat win. Like they're insane <laughs> around there. <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah, it was. Uh, it yeah, was. I've heard, uh, heard interesting yeah. stories. Yeah, we went. Uh, it's like we went green to checker right from the corner to the flag stand, and that was the race because just about the whole field is wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, oh, geez. It was yeah, no, that was but a, you liked it run. though. Oh yeah, it was a really fun place, and then we had a uh, wood tick actually went and got us a case of beer after, and we sat there all night with him drinking it. Oh yeah. So yeah, no, it was all the wood tick. Yeah, that that's guy a is... character. Oh yeah, yeah, no, he's a good oh, guy. Man. Anthony, have you ever met him? I don't know who you're referring to. Oh boy, uh, so I don't get out wood much, dick. you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so wood tick, uh, he works at a few tracks down south, and uh, he's got. Well, he had the car. He had this, uh, it was like, it was a giant like LTD or something crazy like that, right? And uh, the thing was covered front to back with racer stickers. Just like, you know, the little rear window stickers that racers yep. make. The thing was plastered with them. And uh, that's what he would roll around in because he just loved racing. And at uh, like at Viking Speedway, he would run the pace car. And then he'd just work wherever and. Just do whatever. You could get him to run errands for you for beer. And like, it's just, 
he's a character, man. It's uh, he's just one of those dudes that you meet and and you don't forget, you know. Oh yeah, you can never forget him once you meet him. The, Why? the one year, the one year they made him his own hero cards. You had last <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Why do they call him Woodtick? I have no idea. I have. I couldn't you tell know? you that. No, that's just how I met him. Huh. Couldn't tell. Does you he why. introduce himself that way? Uh, yeah, I huh. believe so. Yeah. yeah, that's how he introduced himself to me. Oh man, I don't get out that that often. You know, they don't let me out of here very often. It was actually a discussion I, I have with quite a few people in terms of tracks that I've attended, and as I indicated earlier, Grand Forks is one of the. The first time I ever went was in 2019, and I went to Devil's Lake uh, the following day for the first time ever as well. In fact, those are two new tracks that I've been to for the first time since, oh, I don't know. I can't remember the last new track I'd been to before, then maybe Mosquito when they reopened in in 2014. Mm -hmm. But before that, probably mid-2000s or when I was a kid. Unlike all you nice, fancy drivers that can go place to place, like Brandon's like, oh, we went to six tracks in two weeks. Um, as a, as a track promoter, we get stuck at the racetrack. <laughs> so, so I have, I've never even been to Hibbing, you know, most everybody I know in emo, um, has been to Hibbing at some point. I've never been to that racetrack. It's crazy. I know it's only two hour drive away. So yeah, I haven't um, been to either, but Hibbing was, is just one of those tracks that everyone in my area where I grew up in had gone to. I'd never been superior Proctor, any of those places, you know, a lot of Thunder Bay guys have been out to those two tracks and just not uh, been my thing. So I've only been to maybe 15 tracks in my life. Yeah, even as a racer, it's easy to to not travel that much. It's a lot easier oh, yeah. to go to the tracks closer to home, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and with just about every everybody running Fridays, Saturdays, you got to make an effort to get out there and go to these new tracks, which Absolutely. I really enjoyed doing when I was running in AMOD. You know, I, I love going down. and But I, it got to the point where I was like, yeah, I'd go down there, but I sucked. You know, I was yeah. hoping to get out of the V main, like... Hey, maybe I should get faster before I do that again. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I still love going out on the road, though. How, how about you? Do you like? Is that something that you really like about it? Going to new tracks and experiencing that, or do you like running yeah. new tracks that you're really familiar with? No, it's uh the last couple of years we've actually chosen to go to different tracks and stuff, and we try to get out at to, uh, Topless Nationals in Ogilvy in in October. We've done that for the last three years. I've never made it out of a B main, but we've had a blast going there. <laughs> it's a beautiful facility. Eh? That's that place is unreal. First, I went there a couple of years ago for tech seminar, and I'm like, man, this is like a palace here. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's crazy. Well, let's move into uh, some longer answers for you, Brandon. This is in the driver's seat. Uh, you can answer this any way you like, or as long as you like. It's totally up to you. Uh, yeah. Which driver do you have the most fun racing against? Uh. Probably Nick Adet because it seems like every time we race together, we end up in the same heat and start beside each other in the feature, and I end up ripping off one of his quarter panels along the way. <laughs> he's never ripped off one of your quarter panels? I think he's actually only pushed one quarter panel in once out of all the years I can remember. <laughs> I have the feeling that he wouldn't say that you're his favorite person to race against. <laughs> Let's no, get him no. on next week and find yeah. out. <laughs> That's a good idea. Let's we got to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's Maury. We're gonna have a big drama episode. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we we'll actually be without a little drama. We actually have him behind backstage right now. He's coming out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like surprise. Hey, Nick. <laughs> 
number two, <laughs> what went through your mind the first time you jumped into a car and started your first race? Yeah, it's a lot harder than it looks like from the stands. Even driving a four-cylinder, it looked easy from the stands until you get in the car, and it's not that easy. So you got in the car and said, I'm in over my head? No, oh, I just hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's a simple way to approach, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, most people yeah. that we ask, they kind of they give you a pretty long list of things, but if yours was just, let's do it. Yeah, go. let's hope for the best and hope we don't kill anyone or roll their own, our own car how how nervous before i get into the next question how nervous do you get about that in terms of you know the possibility of an incident or being knocked out of the race or is it just hey let's go for let's just make it happen you know in a good way yeah it's uh i don't know it doesn't really bother me but i don't really have much fear which is kind of scary sometimes because you should probably have some fear getting into one of those cars <laughs> that's what they say yes yeah so no <laughs> like i've been nervous a few times but it's not it's not that bad. If you went three wide with a lap to go, which spot would you prefer to be in? The inside, the middle, or the outside, and why? Uh, well, you probably know my answer. <laughs> It'll definitely be the high <laughs> side. And why is because usually I can go on the high side and go pretty wide open. So, And if I go in the middle, I'm probably going to wreck all three of us. So that's, <laughs> I think I've done that actually once, you know. What went three wide, stuck in the middle, and took out the yeah. other team? Okay. No, I took out the one guy. I let the, <laughs> oh, the one on the outside where you were supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, guy, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> How hard is it to get off the pedal earlier when you're in the middle, or if there's a driver to the outside of you? Like, do you have a tendency of overdriving it coming into the corner when a guy's on the outside? Uh, yeah. Usually, I try to. I get a little excited and want to go in a little bit harder, but usually it doesn't turn out good. Number four, what do you do in the car just before you drive out of the pit stall? I uh, usually just fist pump my crew guys and check my belts over again, and that's it. And we just send it. Nice. And number five, send, what send race it. would you consider the one that got away? The opener in Kenora, where I put Austin Hunter in a tire, and I came to a dead stop just about, and Paul Viert just drove away. Wait, hold on. Is this the race you're referring to in the t- previous two questions? Uh, yep. <laughs> Same one. <laughs> well, let us let us go back. Now you've brought it up. Let's go back to that race. For those of you that don't know, you can actually go down to Cool Down Racing Video Productions on YouTube and watch the highlights about what happened. You led the back half of that race, and did you think anyone was coming for you? Uh, not really. Actually, when I got out front and drove away i figured i was all alone turns out i definitely wasn't alone and there was two other guys right there did you see veered on the outside any earlier than on that last lap at all like like because he kind of got to the outside of you i think it might have been coming into one a little bit did you see him that earlier or was it not until on the back stretch halfway no i actually didn't see him until we got into turn three when i was trying to go back down towards the tire a little bit and realized austin hunter was there and I kind of looked to the right a little bit, and then I realized Paul Viert was there, and he can only block one car at a time. Right, right. <laughs> Did you know as soon as, like you probably didn't know at the time that that Austin had had spun out as much as he had, were you just like, okay, I got to try to gun it to the line, or did you feel you were beat the second you saw him? No, I tried. I, I actually hit the chip going down the front straightaway, <laughs> spinning my tires, hoping I could get by him, <laughs> but that didn't help because we ended up having... 50 psi in my right rear tire 
before we even went out. We forgot. What? Yeah, we forgot to let the air out. You're trying to stretch it out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the crew guys and the crew guys forgot to let the air out of the tire before we went out. So. Oh man, don't do that, my crew guys. You'd get fired. So, oh my gosh. It was actually pretty impressive that I led the entire race right to the last corner, though. Holy! What, what did the tire look like afterwards? Uh, it was. It was no good. <laughs> It was worn right in the middle because it yeah. was round like a basketball, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was Jesus. not much tread left on it in the middle, anyways. Huh? That's interesting. Oh, I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if just because of the slower entry and exit that you had, that it maintained the tire somewhat for the most part. Like I, it, it, it's interesting because if you watch even in those last five laps, I mean, you were several car lengths ahead of second yeah. place. Yeah. No, it was. It felt good until the last probably five laps and then that's when it started getting away on me a little bit and i couldn't figure out why cars never done that and then uh, that's why (laughs) i guess it would have been a little bit easier on your uh on your yourself if if it was maybe three or four laps to go and you got past versus that last corn last two corners yeah yeah exactly yeah it was a heck of a show i'll tell you that much it was one of the best races i've seen like especially at that track for being as new as it is to see that yeah. type of race was it was something else to see in person that's for sure yeah no it, that was a really fun race crazy yeah <laughs> I've, I've heard of a lot of uh, a lot of mistakes you know guys not tightening lug nuts or not doing that but i've never heard of 50 psi in the tire right well now you have <laughs> there you go and don't try it because it's not going to work yeah, yeah. It's, it's not the hot setup <laughs> uh, no that's definitely not and, and you and you seem to do naturally well in Kenora. I mean, look, even in the dinner jacket, the two day show there, you had the opportunity of of gaining quite a bit on few drivers. You finished what second, I think it was. You you passed quite a few cars on the second day, yeah. to finish in second place, and you were really starting to bring it on. What did you do that was that you may have done different on July tenth besides the the fifty psi? We actually all we did was change gears to a different set of gears, and that's all we actually did to the car to make it better and we tightened it up a little bit more other than that the, that's all we did to make the car better and then the september race at the end of the season the car was really good then as well i think you'd finish second that time as well only austin hunter uh being the one in front yeah i think actually i think most of my shows there i actually finished second just couldn't get around yeah that's good that's good it's uh, it's, it's, it's great sorry eric go ahead it's amazing how much uh, just changing gears can change the way the car feels. Like it feels like you change the setup, eh? Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's I run a totally different gear than everyone else does usually. So usually, did you switch to a gear that everybody else is running in Kenora or what? Uh, I don't know what. Nobody tells me what they're running there, so <laughs> no one tells me either. They go ah somewhere between here and here, and I'm like okay. I'll tell you later. I can't tell you on here. No, 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 I, I don't blame you. And I, you don't you don't need to tell me nothing when it comes to gearing. I just need cars on a racetrack. That's all that matters to me. Yeah. I run a 650. Just yeah, yeah, like yeah. everybody else. Yeah. A 650 with a crate motor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the valve springs all just eject. Hey, man, if you want to start floating valves, let's do it. Yeah, yeah when you float them, they get lighter, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it takes away a lot of that internal internal mass when you're driving the car through the corners. That's right. Yeah. It starts vibrating to pieces. Yeah. yeah they know you're in trouble. 
how much of an adjustment was it for you to go from the lightning sprint to a midwest mod because i mean those lightning sprints are fast but a shorter wheelbase and almost full throttle through the corners i mean must have felt even with the four cylinder you know with the shorter wheelbase like did it feel different to you having almost having a rear end of a vehicle like you know front end doing something different than the back end was that a big adjustment for you at all yeah it was at first it's driving a mini sprint was like driving a go-kart is except for there's like there's a lot of turning like you're always turning you're not you're always back and forth you're not just holding in one spot for a little bit at a time it's definitely a workout yeah they were they were tricky to drive there well the problem that i had with them when i decided to pull the shoot on it was i realized that the guys who were winning were able to get their cars set up so that they were just driving them like go-karts and mm-hmm. they weren't yeah. like they weren't lifting and they weren't sliding they were just go-karting around just point the front wheels and go i was like this isn't dirt racing (laughs) you know to me it didn't feel right it just felt felt lame yeah so i uh you know and that was just my i'm sure i would have had a different opinion if i would have been a bit quicker and won a few races with it but no i just didn't really enjoy it so it came time to sell it by that time i had wrecked it twice and i figured that was uh the right move for me (laughs) so enough bad signs yeah 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 no they're they're pricey to fix too Oh yeah, yeah. The the parts are not that much cheaper than the big cars, front axle, uh, all that stuff. It's all, uh, you know, your shocks aren't even that cheap. Like I don't know, it was just, it was a really different uh, niche market thing, and I just don't, I don't know, it didn't work out in the long run. I don't think. But Brennan, what would you say would be one of your biggest highlights in racing? Probably actually the first race in Winnipeg last year. We only raced Estevan before that. I'm pretty sure. And we just were just getting a feel of that new car. And I ended up having to start 17th in the feature. And I told Stowe, just said, oh, I'm just going to drive around for fun because there's a lot of cars to pass. And somehow I made it from 17th to 1st. And I passed four of the cars on the last lap on the high side and got it done. But that was probably the best night. Yeah, nothing feels better than, especially, you know, it's a stout field in Winnipeg. Oh, yeah, it's very competitive. It's it's one thing to go from 17th to 5th. It's another thing to go from 17th to 1st. Yeah. No, I never thought in a million years I'd be able to do it, and I did it. How much were you shaking when you won that race? Quite a bit. After, like, a night after you drink a full bottle of Pink Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> I meant right after you crossed the line, <laughs> not the after party. <laughs> uh, uh, it was about the same. <laughs> is it feeling a disbelief almost? Yeah, pretty much. When does when does reality hit in after after that type of race? Once I go across the scale and I'm not too light, because I've been there a few times where it's been pretty pretty close to the edge of the of the weight. But that time I was actually like a hundred pounds over, so it was good. The one time, hey. The one time, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Other than that, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's what? a pretty good drive. That's a that's a highlight yeah. reel moment for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, that tire didn't have fifty psi in it that time. No, <laughs> no. Because <laughs> if it did, you would have stuck with it longer. <laughs> yeah, well, that was the weekend after actually, and I thought I could win Kenora's opener, and no, I didn't. Well, you put on a heck of a show there, and I mean, I think you continue to. Uh, you know, I when when Eric and I were talking about having you on the podcast, I said to I, one of the things I said to him was just how much. How much you've improved over the last, especially over the last four years or so, yeah. Um, compared to early on, it, it, your start and and the maturity uh, in terms of patience out on the track as well. 
it's it's a almost a night and day difference. If so, if I if I watched video of you in like even twenty like fifteen, and yeah. sixteen and seventeen, it's it's almost like a completely different driver when you start looking at like nineteen and then like last year, and, and even in eighteen in some of the clips that I've been watching here from July twenty eighteen, you know, just super smooth through the corners, off on the back stretch, clean passes, just phenomenal change in your driving style uh over the last few years and uh it is like a night and day if you watch the older videos to what you what you've been able to get to now so i definitely congratulate you on on that consistency and and in your driving and just looks great you look great out there more times than not (laughs) thanks yeah no it's i've had a lot of help in the last four or five years for sure that's been a huge part of the team but other than that, I just got to keep learning how to use both feet instead of one and learn that brakes will make you faster sometimes and the throttle won't. Yeah, it's, but that's and that's so important, having good people around you, you know. Yeah, maybe if you're, if you're rumly, you can figure out how to set up your car on your own on an island and not talk to anybody. But uh, yeah. most of us need a little bit of help, you know, and you got to talk to some people and bounce ideas off of them and figure out what guys are running and you know, what direction things are trending. Cause that, that was a mistake that I made uh, in, in my career was not, not getting enough help. And it was all there. I just had to ask for it and spend the time on the phone and talk to the guys. And I just, I thought I could figure it out on my own and I just got frustrated and, and I went away for a while. So yeah, no, yeah. sometimes, sometimes you actually have to listen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can't just think, you know, it all, cause it's not going to help you at all. Nope. Definitely. Is that the number one piece of advice you would give to a new driver? Yeah, if somebody that's experienced is knowing what they're talking about and they want to help you out, just listen to them and don't don't listen to them and then turn around and change everything on your car because they're probably not going to want to keep helping you after that. Yeah. That's what I've learned. Yeah, you always see that the guys, you know, they talk to so-and-so and they get a setup off of them and then yeah go back to talk to him the week after and oh no and actually i went and talked to that guy after and he told me to move everything so i did and every week they're getting all of their info from somebody new and different and yeah, yeah not not a good <laughs> idea not yeah. uh you gotta listen though that's for sure so how excited are you for 2021 racing well i'm pretty pumped i just hope this uh this car works and we can actually race here full time with that many shows that they want to put on for us it would be awesome nice close to home and and run uh run your track in Kenora for sure and then we'll travel the to van too if we can't race anywhere else and just kind of keep it in between the three tracks and have as much fun as we can oh makes sense i think we're all all of us at this podcast are very excited for it and it's nice to now that the weather's warmer um there's a lot more chatter on social media and oh, yeah. all these schedules <laughs> coming out it's pretty great that way with Winnipeg being new owners, it's going to be, that should be really good now. The stuff yeah, they want to do is pretty good. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, big, big plans for it and uh, very, very excited for for the direction we're headed for sure. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be an awesome place to be now. So what, uh, what's your long-term plans for your, your career? How long do you want to hang around in the Midwest mods? Like you got to hanker uh, to go put a big engine in there and go play with the big dogs or do you want to get a late model? What do you want to do? Oh, uh, I was, we were thinking about AMOD and Chris Bowman and Brent Stagg are actually getting both in AMODs now. So they've been egging me on for an AMOD deal, but 
we never fell through on that yet until next year, I think, is when I'm going to make a switch maybe to an A mod. Try that out for a few years. If it goes good, then I'd like to step up, but just get to an A mod would be nice. Yeah, it's a... Uh it's quite the quite the car to drive man the extra power yeah. and the same tire and same everything is or pretty much the same everything else is uh it's a handful for sure but yeah i actually practiced in jesse tunis's late model last year and that was uh that was something else that was not what i expected when i got in there and hit the gas on the track and turned that was unreal yeah we were laughing about that one with that was ryan Carlick last week about yeah. uh Oh, just about everybody we know that comes from racing mods and stuff that jumps into a late model the first time. They all, the car turns way too well for them and they either end up in the tires or underneath the tires. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, yeah. Uh, it's definitely uh, something crazy. Not as not as good as Jeff Rempel hitting tractor tires, but. <laughs> not quite, no. Just got to aim between them. Yeah. He's, he still exactly. takes the cake for that one, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, they're, uh, it'd be fun to get into a late model, but. That's that's a huge jump. That's from big dollars too. That's yeah, that's the nice problem yeah. too. But I don't know. I I don't know if the answer. What's your take on the limited late model thing? Do you have you seen those race much before? I've watched them a few times on TV, and well, I watched them last. I watched like the six hundred twos and six hundred fours last week. Uh, last wow. weekend in Bristol, and uh, they were crashing worse than B mods. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're so even, know. you know, and it's. Yeah, everybody's. Exactly. You have to be set up so you can be hammered down, otherwise you're not yeah. fast enough. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not super sold on it. Like I like the idea of you know late model chassis, but making the racing more affordable. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's actually going to be a class that produces good racing and and is that uh, ultimately that useful to the promoters and everybody. Um, yeah, exactly. I don't know. We'll yeah, see what I... what happens here in the next three years because I don't know if we can. You know, soda lates are pretty out there. They're pretty yeah. much super late models. There's not much different. Um, no. I don't know if they can continue to support that, or if they're going to have to create some packages that dial it down a little bit. Or yeah, because the only the next level is World of Outlaw late models after Wasoda. In yeah. terms of in terms of engine packages. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty much. That'd be, so. That'd be pretty wild. Yeah. So imagine showing up to a race with a thousand horsepower. Are you kidding me? Like. <laughs> I'd love actually. It, but- that actually <laughs> mostly ends up on the racetrack. Yeah. You know, like it's one thing to have a thousand horsepower and be sliding around out there and not being able to use half of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's something, I don't know. We'll see what happens there, but that'd be cool, man. We, uh, we're having fun watching your, your career continue to progress here. So, uh, hoping for a good year for you here again and, uh, see what happens. In the yeah. Future. It should be, should be pretty, pretty good. We got big sponsors now. So a couple big, bigger sponsors that are helping out so we should be should be getting there now we look forward to seeing you out there week after week for sure yeah it'll be exciting to come out there and do some more racing definitely all right well thank you so much brandon rehill for being a part of bench racing radio we hope you enjoyed this podcast be sure to stay tuned to all our social media if you haven't already followed our facebook page you better get on it everybody else is we appreciate each and every one of you every single week we'll catch you next time Thanks for listening to Bench Racing Radio. Like and follow our social media handles. Facebook at Bench Racing Radio. Twitter at Bench Racing Rat 1. Or Instagram at Bench Racing Radio.